We are in the middle of a series um, called Enjoy. We're looking at Philippians, and uh, if you're a guest, welcome. Um, let me explain the black shirt, Kentucky, uh, lost uh, last Sunday night um, to an inferior team, and uh, so uh, I'm, in, I'm in mourning. Uh, okay. So today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. If you want to find that in your Bibles or on your phones or on your tablets, that's where we're going to be, Philippians chapter 2. We're kind of in the middle of the verse, uh, in the middle of the chapter. And we're talking about a little bit about something called um, division of labor. Uh, Psychologists tell us that in family units, a lot of times with husbands and wives, um, some of the biggest arguments are around who's responsible for doing certain things. Who's responsible for mowing the yard? Who's responsible for cleaning? Who's responsible for making meals and doing dishes and making beds and those sorts of things? Division of labor is sort of a, a, a big uh, issue. Now, I have a picture that um, was taken at my house. This is kind of how it goes uh, at the Vest house. Oh, i got to turn it on. Um, so it sort of goes like that at my house. But... Um, I enjoy a good pipe. So uh, that's kind of how how it goes down. Now, um, when I was about 20 years old, I had gone to college a couple years, and my dad and I, uh, my dad really decided that he was about to retire. He was a truck driver, and he said, hey, uh, our town doesn't really have a muffler shop. Let's start a muffler shop. So we went into the muffler business, my dad and I. Now, I was a little reluctant. You know, I didn't love that, but I didn't know what else to do. So he saw it as an opportunity for us to work for a long time together, and, and it, we worked together for about six years. It was great. I learned a lot from my dad. But at the beginning of this process of owning this business, now we had never, <laughs> I'd never been in a muffler shop, much less been a part of one. And um, my dad was a mechanic. I mean, he had done stuff, he'd done lots of stuff, but not me so much. And so we, if you're going to have a muffler shop, the thing you need is a pipe bender machine. you got to have a pipe bender because you buy pipe that's straight and you bend it to fit, and that's how you make your money, is you bend the stuff to custom-fit cars. Now, we bought our bender from a company called Worth. They had this really cool deal that if you bought your bender from them, they would send out a rep for a weekend to kind of work with you, to show you how it was done, to put pipes on cars, and then he would leave and you're on your own. That's a great idea. So... uh, this guy shows up, we invite people, you know, hey, we just opened a muffler shop, lots of people came, this guy bend his, bends pipes. And I'm kind of stepping back because I don't want to be in the way, and I didn't care. Uh, so it's uh, kind of how it worked. Now, we made a little bit of money that weekend, and then it's Sunday, we go to church, and Monday comes, and the guy has flown back to Texas. We, we show up at the muffler shop, me and my dad, and Dad looks at me and he says, all right, son, this is how we're going to do this. D- division of labor. I'm going to deal with the customers and you're going to bend the pipes. This would have been really good to know a couple of days ago, honestly. Because I hadn't even watched. I mean, it's like I was sort of paying attention, but not really. Fortunately, or unfortunately, depends on how you look at it, uh, we didn't like have millions of customers and and honestly I got pretty good at it because if you do something enough times you can kind of figure out what you're doing but in an organization it's really important to know what your task is okay so the text today talks about us 
achieving something that is sometimes called holiness. Holiness. Um, it, it's this place in life where, it's also called sanctification. You, if you read stuff, these are kind of churchy words. Basically, it means to do what God has called you to do. To live up to his expectation for your life. This is what holiness is. It's when you accomplish the task that God has set before you. This is, this is it. And basically, God has a plan for our lives. There's something called the fall. You all heard about this. Adam and Eve, they fell from grace, and, and it really messed all of us up. And we are born with a sin nature, and so we, God wants to restore us to the place where he wanted us in the first place. I've got a couple of friends here, the Maycrofts. Maycrofts, hold up your hand, because this is what every guest wants, uh, is to have to hold their hand up. Uh, they're from Michigan, from, from Muskegon, where they came from my church uh, and, and came down, and they're, they're visiting, and they came today, which is really, really cool. And there's a restore store in Michigan, in Muskegon. Uh, Janelle drove by the other day when she was there last week. You said you saw her. And... Uh, um, she drove by and she texted me and she said, Hey, Daddy, I just passed the Restore store. Isn't it cool? We, you know, we used to go there a lot. And we did used to go there a lot. And we bought a house in, in Muskegon and we were uh, redoing the kitchen. And, and Janelle came with me. We were looking for lighting. Now, I, I've got some before and after pictures. We, we found this light fixture. And Janelle saw that and she saw the potential. And she said, Daddy, let's get that. And I'm like, why would we get that? And she said, no, daddy, you can make this. I know you can do it. You can make it great. She saw the potential. So I got some spray paint and, and some, you know, baling wire and some duct tape. And, and I made that. And, and so uh, um, turned out really good, uh, I, I think. Now, what God does is he sees our potential of what we what we are now, we're, we're a little messed up, but what we could be, what we could be. God sees what we are, doesn't turn him off, he's not sickened by it. All God sees when he sees you is potential. Um, like a father, I mean, now those of us who have kids, when we look at our kids, man, what do you see? You see what they could be. You know, you love them for what they are, but you know what they could be. You see glimpses of what they could be. Maybe your kid is friendly, and you see, man, that kid could be great with people. She's great with people. Or they're an artist, and it's like, oh, I can see what they could be. Okay, so God sees what we could be. And there's a process of getting us from the left to the right, from what we could be to, 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 our, to what we are. Not... not where we are right now, but where we can be. God sees that, and there's a process. It's called the process of sanctification. That's becoming what God has called us to be. Now, there's a couple of ideas around how do you get from the left to the right? How do you get from kind of messed up to potential? How do you get there? A couple, couple of ideas around it. One, one is it's God's responsibility. We sort of let go and let God. It's kind of that deal, and there's, there's texts and and one that they cite would be Romans 7, 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. And, and they kind of have a little slogan, and the slogan is, you know, uh, I can't, but God can. And it's sort of this idea that someday God is going to sort of zap me into Billy Grahamness, and I'm going to start saying, 
like Jesus and stuff like that. You know, I'm going to go from, from what I am now to Jesus. That, that's kind of the idea. So it's, it's God's responsibility. The other idea around this is that it's my responsibility, only my responsibility. And we, we would cite texts like, I'm the Lord your God, sanctify yourselves. Hey, you, you have a responsibility to sanctify yourself. It's sort of on you a little bit. Now, the, the first group, they're called quietists. They're quiet. The Quakers were quietists. And they sit and, and they kind of wait for God to do his thing. The, the other side of the coin, they're called pietists or pietism. And, and they're like, okay, if it's going to get done, I'm going to do it. Now, the question is, whose responsibility is my spiritual growth? It's a great question. And the answer lies sort of in the middle of quietism and pietism. It's, in, it's like Goldilocks. It's, it, you know, one's too hot, one's too cold. It's sort of right in the middle. And so the big idea for the day is this, that my holiness is a result of a joint effort between God and me. Between God and me. And so, turn in your Bibles. Let's turn to Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Look what he says. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, your part. You work out your salvation. For it is God who works in you, God's part, to will and to act according or in order to fulfill His good purpose. Your role is really important. God's role, really important. We both have important roles in our spiritual growth. It's not all on God, it's not all on us, or it is all on God, but it's also all on us. It's... The Bible is full of these paradoxes. Um, if you read the Bible at all, you, you find these, and, and they're confusing, frankly. Uh, okay, you read that verse, and it's like, okay, well, whose job is it? Uh, I've got a responsibility. God's got a responsibility. Salvation is, is one of these things. Uh, we see that if you were to say, hey, who, whose role, who has, who, whose responsibility is it to save people? Well, it's God's role, certainly. But, but the Bible also says, I mean, over and over again that we're to repent. I mean, we have a, we're a part of the process. So it's kind of all God, but it's also on us a little bit. We, we have, we're, we're called to action. We're not just called to sit there and let it happen to us. Um, so you have that as an example. Um, the person of Christ. This is one of those, when I was in seminary, it was like, this makes no sense to me. P- people will say, well, was Jesus man or is Jesus God? And the answer is yes. He's 100% man and 100% God. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, here's the truth of the matter is this. Not all truth is understandable to you and me. God knows more than us. As a parent, have you ever said to your kids, do this because I know more than you? Sure you have. I've said it. At least gives a testimony. That's why we don't let you in here. Uh, Yes. Yes, she says. But not all truth. Listen, God is bigger than us. He does things that we don't understand. And honestly, this side of heaven, there's going to be things. If if you can figure your God out, he ain't God. He's got to be bigger than us. It's a paradox. I, I don't know how it works. It doesn't mean it's not true. I just don't know how it works. 
And, and this word workout is one word in the Greek. It, the word is katerzamai. Katerzamai. Isn't that a cool word? Katerzamai. Uh, when you're having lunch with uh, the people from First Baptist, you just throw that out. Um, now, there was a guy named Sarbo who um, was a writer around Jesus' era, about 60 AD, kind of after Jesus. Strabo was his name, Strabo. And he writes this word, katazero, or whatever it was I just said a minute ago. Katzeromai. Yeah, we should practice it, but we're not going to. Um, he writes this about, evidently the Romans owned some mines in Spain. And they were excavating the mines. They were digging in the mines. And he uses this word. They were working out the mines. They were taking what was in the mine and they were bringing it out. And it's kind of a picture of what God does with us. There, there are these nuggets of character. I mean, have you ever had, you've done things that you even are a little bit surprised that you are capable of doing? Like you have moments of compassion that you didn't know you had or you have moments of, of character that you didn't know you had. There are these nuggets that are kind of deep within that God wants to, to mine. He, he, this is the idea. It's there. God just wants it to get from, from deep inside to what you do all the time. This is the working out while God is worked in. It's kind of the notion around it. Now, again, um, we work it out with fear and trembling. Now, now don't, don't confuse this. It, it doesn't mean that I'm quaking in my boots. It just means this is serious business. It's not something that I, I, I'm, you know, if I don't do good enough, God's not going to be pleased with me. It's not, it's not the case. But, but it is something that we are responsible to do, and it's something we should take seriously. That, that's, the whole, that's the whole point. Now, um, we, we depend on God for much of this. All right. Some things you can control. I can control making a phone call. Um, I can control um, driving my car. I'm in control. Some things I'm in control of. Some things I'm not in control of. The weather. I can't control the weather. But there's sort of this, this third kind of place to be. Um, you can set the stage. Let's take sleep. Sleep. If you're going to go to sleep, if you're not like two months old, or six months old, or however old that kid is, um, at my age, I have to set the stage for sleep. Uh, not really, not anymore. At, at my age, uh, I can sit down and I can go to sleep. But my, but, but my daughter, Elise, we have to set the stage. So, um, the, you darken the room. You, uh, you lay down on something comfortable. Um, you turn on white noise. You know what white noise is. You know, white noise. And... You set the stage, and with little kids sometimes, they'll say, well, I'm not sleepy. It's like, okay, well, we're going to set the stage. Uh, Benadryl, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, that wasn't pastoral advice, uh, by the way, just to clarify. Okay, so you set the stage, you set the stage. It, it's the difference, i got another picture. It's the difference between a sailboat and a motorboat. In a motorboat, I'm in control. I, I control where it goes, I control how fast it goes, I turn the motor on and I can go. With the sailboat, I am much less in control. Uh, now, I have a part, I set 
I set the sail. Uh, I hoist the sail, I, I think is the right terminology. Um, I uh, try to get the, the sail in the right position. But without the wind, I'm dead in the water. I, I can do all the right things, but if the wind doesn't cooperate, nothing happens. Okay, I think this is a great illustration of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, Jesus used the wind as an illustration. The wind blows where it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born in the Spirit. Super interesting to me. In the Greek and the Hebrew, they have the same word for wind and spirit. The word is ruach. Let me see if I have that. Yeah, ruach. Say it with me. Ruach. You're not saying it. Come on, come on. Ruach. Really deep, right way back. Ruach. The people in front of you should have spit on the back of their heads. All right, so it's the same word that the the wind kind of does what it wants to do. We we don't have a lot of control over wind. Uh, it, It blows where it wants to blow. It It does what it wants to do, but we can capture the power of the wind. The Holy Spirit is like the wind, Jesus says. It's like, hey, he he blows where he wants to blow. He goes where he wants to go. You don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it's going. But you know when it's been there. You you know when he's been there. So we're going to talk about how do we capture the wind of the Holy Spirit to get us to a place Toward, at least going toward what we can be. It's serious business. We're supposed to do it with fear and trembling. This is something that, that is daunting and real and something we should not take for granted. And it's something God expects of us and He loves us and He wants the best for us. So, four things we're going to talk about today. Number one, holiness is the rule, not the exception. Uh, in Philippians 3, He talks about, I pursue it, I reach out for it, I'm I'm aggressively going after it. Look at this verse. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it yet. I'm not there yet. But I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me, and I reach for the things that are ahead of me. Seeking a holy life should be standard operating equipment in our lives. A few years ago, uh, Miriam and I and the girls went to Switzerland. Uh, my, my in-laws are Swiss, and they helped all of us go to Switzerland so we could afford it. And, and um, we rented a car, and, and evidently there was a, they asked us if we wanted to rent a GPS with our car, 20 bucks a day. I'm like, I don't think so. Uh, because I don't know the language, I don't know where we're going, and I've never been here before, but I'm pretty sure I can figure it out. That, that was, I mean, think... Everything is in German, but I'm going to figure it out. Do you know that German really doesn't look like our stuff very much? But uh, we're going to, Now, we get down to the car. This is proof positive my wife is a praying woman. Because we got to the car, and I know what she was praying. God, you led me to marry a redneck who doesn't think we need a GPS. I'm pretty sure we do. We get in the car, we turn the car on. You know what happens? It starts to talk to me. The car starts to talk. Guten Abend, mein Herr. 
So I look at Miriam and I said, what does that mean? And she said, we have a GPS in our car. Oh, it was delightful. It was standard operating equipment in that particular Volkswagen. Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And so we, we got it without paying for it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I mean, that, that's a beautiful thing. Now, the, the rule in a follower of Jesus' life is that we're to be trying to become more and more like him all the time. This is our goal. Our ambition as Christians should be this. Everywhere we work, people should say, I've never worked with anybody I like better than that guy, that works harder than that guy. Every neighbor should say, I hope they never move. They're the greatest neighbors we've ever had in our neighborhood. Every time, he, by the way, I mentioned last week the whole thing. This is so funny to me about the tennis and Elise and the tennis and the, the parent of the uh, East German was chatting and he wasn't supposed to chat and how difficult it was for me to keep my mouth shut because that's the rule. And I'm thinking, well, if that joker can talk, then I can talk, but I didn't talk. I get an email this week. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. This is the gospel truth. I got, I got an email this week from the captain, our captain, who said, <laughs> he literally said, you are an example to the other parents. I never had that in Michigan. Not, not one time. Never. <laughs> I mean, it was like so great, so validating. It was just really, really good. Here, here's the truth of the matter. Everybody is in process of being formed spiritually. Whether you want to be or not, you are. Uh, Paul talks about it in Romans. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world because that's an option. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There, there are two options. You can be transformed or you can conform. You can conform to what everybody else is doing, what the world around you is doing, or you can be, be transformed. You choose, but you're going someplace spiritually. You're on a path spiritually, whether you want to be. It's not if, it's by whom. It's not if I'm going to be transformed or if, I, if I'm going to be directed, it's by whom am I going to be directed. Everybody is directed. Now, look at what it says here. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Make every effort to do these things. Folks will say, well, I'm too busy, or this doesn't work into my schedule. Or When, when Scripture tells us this is something that we really need to be doing, then it's something that we really need to be doing. Secondly, it sort of takes, it's painstaking, it's difficult. Not that I've already obtained it, Paul says, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold uh, of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press on. We, we are so impatient. We live in a very impatient world. Have you ever been on an elevator with somebody pushing the button? Like, he wants to go to floor four and he's just pushing the button. And, and you're thinking to yourself, that elevator doesn't care how many times you push that button. Like, there's somebody in the elevator, uh, there's a, the elevator has a brain. Oh, the guy on four, really, he's serious. He really wants to get to four. I'm going to skip everybody else because he really wants to get... No, I mean, we are so incredibly impatient and so he says, look, I, I haven't gotten there yet. I, not today. Maybe not tomorrow. 
but I press on. I, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm going that direction. I'm not giving up. And, and, and I like that he says, I forget. Forgetting is indispensable. And you're going to fall. Falling isn't failing. Falling, when you fall, you get up, you go on. You, you learn. You do, you do better the next time. It's not an excuse to quit. I, I press on. Look, I'm not there yet. I, I put the past, my success in the past, my failure in the past, I push it back because today's a new day and I got new things going on and I'm going to go forward because holiness is a journey. It's not an event. I'm walking toward holiness. Third thing, it should be pursued not just for the sake of yourself, but also for the sake of others. Look at this language. This is community language. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. That benefits not just you, that benefits the community. It's um, very community-centric sorts of language. We're, we do it not just for ourselves, but we do it for others. That's why I said, hey, your neighbors should say, and your boss should say, and your employees should say, this, this, this lady, this, this guy, they are great to have around because they live in a way where they're honest, they're trustworthy, they don't call in sick when they're not sick, they do their job, they work hard. We're glad to have them around. It's not just for you. In fact, it's not just for others. We, we could add, uh, we rep, we're representing God. We, ha we have this responsibility to represent God to our community. It's, this is part of holiness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the right things because it not just benefits me, it not only benefits me, it also benefits my neighbors and my community. Fourthly, the holiness process is empowered by God, not by us. Look at this verse again. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, uh, for all you grammar geeks, let, let me uh, do a little work here. When he says do not conform, it is in an imperative. It's an imperative form. Uh, imperative is like when you say stop, don't. That's imperative. It's kind of a command. So what's interesting is he combines that with be transformed, which is passive. It's in the passive voice. So he combines these. A passive voice is when something happens to you. Um, I was hit by a truck. That's passive and painful. Uh, that, that's the passive voice. So he, he mixes the two. He doesn't say transform yourself. He's saying, hey, I, I'm giving you a command. Don't be conformed, but allow yourself to be transformed. Allow yourself to be transformed. Let's go back to the sailboat illustration. The wind is blowing. The wind is blowing. So you, you kind of pick up on where the wind is blowing. And, and you... Let it guide you. you. You hear God's voice and you do it. So next time you're in the checkout, the express checkout lane, and there's somebody in front of you, and they are mathematically challenged. Because it says 10 items, and you counted, and they have 12. They're obviously sinners. I mean, that's deep sin right there. That, that's like really bad. That's going to hell sin. That's really, really bad. Twelve items in the ten aisle line, good grief, you're going to hell. And you want to say it, you want to help them. Hey, 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 
That's 12. I know you can't count. Where are you? From Tennessee? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Just tease. I love Tennessee. <laughs> not, not really. Uh, anyway. Can you not count to 10? I mean, that, so in that moment, you have this opportunity to say, to pray, Lord, what are you teaching me here? Because I really want to kill that guy. Uh, I really, I'm really annoyed. What are you wanting to teach me in this moment? Um, you're, you're on the verge of procrastination. You're praying, Lord, I know this probably isn't what you want me to do. What should I do? Help me have the energy, the strength. And you start to lean into the wind of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do it, but I know I should. Help me do this that I know I need to do. Someone makes you angry and you're praying, God, I am really mad. Can, can you help me not do what I don't need to do? Because here's the deal. The real goal of holiness is, in a single word is to, to love people. To love. How can I love my neighbors and love my boss and love my community and love the people that aren't like me? How can I get there? How can I get to that place? Paul says, hey, work out your salvation while God is working in you. God's the wind behind it. He's the wind. Hoist your sails to the Holy Spirit's, the, the breath of the Spirit. Listen and obey. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. If I were to go sailing today on a, on a lake with a sailboat, I'd be horrible. I don't, I've never done it before. But put me with somebody that's done it. Show me a few times. The more you do it, just like me at the muffler shop, the more you do it, the better you get at it. I believe I could get good at it. The wind's blowing. Our task is to, to capture his voice in our hearts and to live out what he's calling us to do. Our spiritual growth is a joint effort between God and us. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for a message of encouragement and thank you for giving us an opportunity to grow today and to be reminded that spiritual growth really isn't an option. We're going one way or the other. We're, we're kind of making progress or we're not. Help us to be transformed by the, the Spirit in our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.